and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent day culture, and we can see these represented in modern media so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. It's the last week of July, can you believe it? The summer is almost the first and second month over. I think June counts as a summer month, but super exciting. I will just say at the beginning of this video that I got my lip pierced over the weekend and so if I come across a little bit mumbly or a little bit lispy it's because it's not fully healed yet and obviously affects the way I speak. So I apologise if you do hear any weird slurry noises, I'm trying my absolute best with a very large swollen lip and a big piece of metal in my face. Anyway, we are looking at a legendary cryptid this week which is a bit of a wild one and it's been replicated in a million and one media bits along the ages but I'm really excited to cover this. So this week we are covering the world famous Mongolian death worm which as you can imagine from the name is a worm monster from Mongolia. That's the first descriptive lesson you can have just from the name. The Mongolian death worm is described as a bright red two to seven foot long worm creature around the same length as a small intestine in a human, with no noticeable eyes, nose or mouth. They can spew a corrosive slime, which can melt human flesh and other substances, and they can also produce a slight electrical charge to stun their prey. Mongolian deathworm travels underground and can be spotted by the waves of sand that appear on the surface of the desert as it passes by, and when it does manage to get above ground, it slithers and rolls side to side like, funnily enough, a big snake. Or, I mean, a really big earthworm, funnily enough. But how does it eat if it has no mouth? Why is this so dangerous? Well, some theories are that it does actually have a mouth, but it opens like kind of an envelope from its entire head. If you think of the Demogorgons from Stranger Things, that's probably the easiest way to think of. Their entire head just kind of opens and has hundreds of rows of backwards-facing teeth. It eats anything in its path because it has an incredibly long hibernation for 10 months of the year, only appearing during June and July to feast to its heart's content. This monster lives in the wilderness of the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, the sixth largest desert in the world. However, it's not actually a desert in the usual traditional sense that you can imagine. If you're thinking of the Sahara, it's definitely not like this. This desert is actually particularly cold and even has snow on the peaks of the dunes in the winter, meaning that actually during the months of June and July when this monster is active, the temperatures only reach a nice 18 degrees in the heat of the day. And if you're from the UK, you'll be used to what 18 degrees feels like. It's actually not cold, but it's not hot. It's very mild and pleasant. However, obviously, with talking about deserts here, there's high wind, there's sandstorms, all of that stuff, I still would not like to be in this desert. And considering there may be this red worm in it, I'm good. But due to its environment, it mostly feasts on camels and humans if they're about. 
and will raise its body above the sands and inflate itself until it explodes with its foul poison. But when it does attack camels, it lays its eggs in their large intestines, turning the camel a ghastly shade of red whilst it is eaten from the inside out by the young of this monster. Is there any way to kill this monster though? I mean, it's a two foot long worm. I I know you don't want me to say that it's probably quite easy, but I imagine it's not massively hard. However, the challenging bit here is having to avoid that instant kill poison, because I didn't actually mention this, but that corrosive poison apparently is instantaneous death. It's not even funny. So you can avoid that, but you generally use the same means to kill it as you would to kill a small snake. So I guess use your imagination. But if you don't manage to kill it, I'd be pretty sure to stay away, as if you just manage to injure it, it will expel its exoskeleton to make a full recovery much like a tailless lizard. Now for etymology, you may be thinking that perhaps this one is a little bit obvious, and I'm going to turn around and tell you it's really boring. It's from Mongolia, it brings death, and is, funnily enough, a worm. But actually, in Mongolia, it's called something completely different, obviously, in their own language. It's called Algoi Kokoi, which translates to intestine worm. Again, it's a bit obvious when you actually do take down the etymology in the actual language, but a lot more interesting than just Mongolian death worm, in a very literal sense. Now, the history of this monster actually goes back at least a thousand years ago, based on the tribes in the Gobi Desert. However, much like many native tribal monsters that we've covered, this knowledge is not really accessible to the West or known to the outside world from outside of these cultures. However, what we do know is from the 1900s, with Russian scientists allegedly uncovering a dead worm in 1972 and hiding it within a basement of a Russian museum, apparently still there to this day, although no one can actually, no one can actually prove it in any way. However, the zoologist Roy Chapman Andrews was the first Western researcher to talk about and write down the truth of the legend. In his 1926 book on the trail of ancient man, he said, Then the Premier asked that if it were possible, I should capture the Mongolian government a specimen of the Alagorhai Horhai. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. The Premier said that although he had never seen it himself, he knew a man who had and lived to tell the tale. Then a cabinet minister stated that the cousin of his late wife's sister had also seen it. Also, an important note is that Mongolia had been under Soviet control until 1990, so there was very little known about the Mongolian deathworm and generally Mongolia in the West. That was until there was a famous expedition in order to find it in 1990, 1992 and the last one in 2004 by the most famous cryptozoologist Ivan McCurl, who was one of the leading specialists in the Loch Ness monster cases and stuff like that. However, after inventing even traps and ways to try and coerce the monster out, there was no avail into ever seeing or capturing the monster. In 2005, the Centre for Fortean Zoology crossed a thousand miles of the Gobi Desert to track and prove the existence of said death worm. However, they came to the idea that actually this was probably an unknown type of lizard. 
And that leads me on pretty nicely onto the fact that experts are actually pretty sure it's not a worm. We'd like to clarify that. It is most likely a lizard based on its environment, as the Gobi Desert is far too hot for an area for annelids to survive, which are the animal family that worms belong to, so it's more likely that it's a reptile. Some experts have suggested it might be a type of skink, which is a very, I'd say, like a medium-sized lizard. You can kind of hold it on your arm, at least. But others discredit this as they have legs and scales, where the Mongolian deathworm has been noted to be limbless and smooth, much like a snake or a worm. I would also like to say that snakes are also not common in this environment. It is too hot because obviously they are cold-blooded. It's a very much a note for temperature, temperature control within snake and reptilian bodies. So we don't really know. The idea that's kind of most probable here is that it's a type of undiscovered lizard-worm combo, which do exist within this environment as they burrow into the sand, and it does definitely match the MO of our monster. But I will say as well as that, although this monster does have a ridiculous name and actually an MO, many people in Mongolia do truly believe it exists. It's not even a myth monster I should be discussing in a lot of people's views. They do truly believe it as a real animal, and because of the numerous stories behind them with eyewitness accounts, there are people that believe it from all over Mongolia, such as park rangers, police officers, and even one of the Mongolian prime ministers. So it does definitely have its hold on that culture and that society as a proved animal rather than a myth monster itself. Now, onto modern media. We do have quite a few this week. As I said at the beginning, it is the inspiration for so many movies and TV series that we've got to cover. And most prevalently, it's the inspiration for The Sandworm, which, if you've seen Beetlejuice, if you've seen Dune, anything along those lines, it is the inspiration for all of those monster movies. So you can imagine I do have quite a few for all of these categories this week. So do buckle in. Although I will say we're going to start small for art, as this is a cryptid, very few artistic pieces. However, as usual, there are some amazing independent works, graphic arts, all of that kind of stuff. Have a look at some of those, such as what I've used in the marketing this week. I could not find the artist to save my life, but very, very cool artwork and also a little bit disgusting. In movies, we do have a few such as Mongolian Deathworm, Tremors, Dune, Star Wars, Beetlejuice, Sand Serpents, Men in Black 2, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. I have probably talked about my love for Kevin Bacon many a time, so Tremors is 100% my favourite up there, but I do love the next three, which were Dune, Star Wars, and Beetlejuice. They are some of my favourite movies. For TV, we have Dune, Tremors, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Sliders, Earth 2, Aladdin, Star Wars Rebels, The Outer Limits, Beetlejuice, Ben 10, Teen Titans, Courage the Cowardly Dog, The Flight of Dragons, Fairly Odd Parents, Bounty Hamster, Lost Tapes, Andromeda, Sequest DSV, What's New Scooby-Doo, The Mandalorian, Ultraman Tiger, Intruders, Futurama, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Legend of Korra, Major Laser, The Mummy, Pirates of Dark Water, my Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and Uchu Sentai Kuranger. Now, video games is our really big category this week. I actually had to considerably cut this list down, 
So these are just kind of the biggest ones, the ones at least I know about. So we have Darksiders, Age of Wonders, Dark Souls 3, Death Worms, Destroy All Humans 2, Bugs, Ark Survival Evolved, Black Sigil, Borderlands 2, Castlevania, Portrait of Ruin, Breath of Fire 4, Civilization Beyond Earth, Diablo 2 and 3, Dune, Diner Gear, Final Fantasy 5, 6, 10 and 11, Fallout 4, Gears of War 2, Fire Emblem, Three Houses, Halo 5 Guardians, Hollow Knight, The Immortal, Kingdom of Loathing, The Legend of Zelda, Mass Effect, Master of Magic, Lost Land Adventure, Lost Planet, Monster Hunter, World of Warcraft, Xenoblade Chronicles 10, Zombies Ate My Neighbours, Time Splitters, Terraria, Subnautica, Starcraft 2, Splatoon 2, Silent Hill, Scribblenauts, RuneScape, Pokemon, Pikmin, Overlord, No Man's Sky, and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. See, I even think that was maybe too many. I honestly had to really cut that list down. There are so many video games with these types of monsters. I definitely didn't want to overwhelm anyone with this list, so I have cut them down considerably. But my book recommendation this week is Cryptozoology A to Z, the Encyclopedia of Loch Ness Monsters, Sasquatch, Chupacabras, and Other Authentic Mysteries of Nature by Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark which goes over all cryptids in a great and in-depth way. I really recommend it for all my cryptid fans. You know that I love covering cryptids, so it's very much a series of books that I really love in terms of just finding those cryptozoology books. So I really recommend this one. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Honestly, for this one, I'm so sorry. I'm going to say no, because it's a giant sandworm. And for me, at least, I can only imagine the monsters from Tremors, and with the comical nature of those eating my absolute favourite, Kevin Bacon, and it's a great movie, to be completely fair, it is kind of hard to take them seriously. I will say, though, that the possibility of them being real is also pretty slim. Just due to the quite silly size of them, you would expect them to be, like, gigantic or... You know, like the sandworms we see in all these modern films, they're huge, they're usually portrayed as these massive monsters like the Sarlacc in Star Wars and all of that, when actually these are actually quite small and a little bit, little bit sad in nature. It is hard to take them seriously, but the idea of these bright red worms parading around the Gobi Desert is pretty ridiculous. But we have heard slightly more ridiculous things on this podcast. We did do a whole 19-minute episode on a flying man who is also a moth. You know, there's not much else to go on here. But what did you think? Did the Mongolian death worm roam the Gobi Desert? Let me know on Twitter. I would really love to know what you think. I really loved this one. Definitely love a bit of the cryptids for me. They are always just really wild and unusual, and they're just so fun to cover. And this one is crazy considering it's just literally a giant sandworm that lives in a practically unlivable place, but it's certainly a memorable one at that. Next week though, we are staying in Asia and heading back over to Japan for the legendary Japanese monster, the Tengu. Make sure that you keep your sword sheathed to avoid the wrath of this monster next Thursday with me. But for now, thank you so much for listening, it's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, 
YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes. Bye.